Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go and be your own operator to learn the business really well because otherwise you're missing deals right in front of your face. So better assumptions come from people who actually operate. And then step two, when you're starting out, learn, network, self-assess, and sacrifice. And then finally, step three, the number three biggest lesson. Um, Part one, prove it makes money. Part two, plan. Take a strategic risk like David Tepper. Thanks all for tuning into Dreamcatchers where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration and direction this podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream are you ready everybody and welcome to the dream catchers podcast i'm your host jerome and i've got the distinct pleasure of having ryan naris with me today he and i were doing a linkedin challenge with yona weiss and Believe it or not, we actually made a connection on social media. How about that, guys? Um, So with that, Ryan, won't you jump in and let the folks know what you've been working on and kind of what your focus is now? Yeah, sure. So I'm a real estate entrepreneur. I have purchased or at least been a part of 10 mobile home park transactions, roughly 1,200 pads, a little over $20 million in acquisitions. Which, is, which may not sound like a whole lot, but it is a whole lot when you see where I came from. I came from nothing. No money, no experience, no network. In fact, probably negative money because I, I had more student loan debt than I had cash that I invested in, in starting my business. So I, I'm just a millennial who was just sick of being lied to. And uh, to, to just put, you know, the conventional wisdom on blast that I was told growing up, you better study hard so you can go to a good college. And then when you go to a good college, you get a good job. And then, you know, then, and, and the job will be waiting for you once you graduate, you know, you won't have to look really hard for it. And then when you get a job, you have to work really hard and do what your boss says. And then you retire easy and you have a good lot of eat on, you know, have martinis on the beach or whatever. And it's like, not only was there not a job waiting for me after undergrad, there was not a job waiting for me after grad school. So, and then every job I feel like I have had for more than a year, I have wound up feeling stuck at. And like, I didn't want to get promoted. Like I 
couldn't leave because I couldn't get as much money as I was making somewhere else starting from the bottom is where I was at. So it's like this death cycle of student loan debt, like out of control student loan debt and unfulfilling jobs that you feel stuck at and like worthless at. Like I went and got a master's degree in, in my MBA with a concentration in business analytics statistics. I could write macros in Excel and do all this fun stuff. And I was basically copying and pasting. I was getting paid a, a good amount of money to literally control C, control V for a big company. And it was like, this is ridiculous. So just one day I was like, I, I'm, I'm sick of, I am sick of this. I am sick of living a life that other people tell me I should live. You know, like other people are telling me I ought to go do this. You ought to go do that. And it's like, you know, what is the consequence if I say F that I'm going to go and do me. And the consequence is now I work for myself from, I'm literally on my couch right now. Uh, it's, it's much better over here. <laughs> Took a lot of work and sacrifice, a lot of luck, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's funny how you tend to, we, we're so, our, our psychology is so focused on what those that are closest to us think and feel and what we perceive or at least think they think about us. And we don't realize how intoxicating that is and how blinding that is. And when you just let go and go, you know what? My parents might think I'm a knucklehead. Everyone might think I'm stupid, but I'm going to go and chase what I want. Even if I fail and everyone laughs at me, like I don't care. And once you get to that freedom, there, it's like, oh my gosh, it's so nice. So I'm starting to talk in circles now, Drum. So that's not <laughs> enough, man. That's not simple at all. You absolutely have clarity, right? You, but so what happened? Like you've had the red pill moment where it's like, I'm out of the matrix. I, I only want to see truth. People have been lying to me. It's not the fairy tale I was promised isn't actually there. Like what happened? Where was the day where it just all snapped for you? So first and foremost, that's my favorite movie. I love The Matrix and I love the second one and I hated how much like crap it got. But the philosophy behind The Matrix is incredible. Um, wasn't a big fan of the third one, but sorry, that's a little off topic. When did I hit that moment? You know, I, I, I don't think it was a specific day, but I'll put it to you this way. There's, there's, there are a lot of pivotal, pivotal moments that kind of led up to that realization where in retrospect, when you put them all together, it makes sense. And if I had to pick one moment, it would probably be when I, I was, I was, so I sold cars for four years. Uh, cause I, I had the wonderful fortune of graduating undergrad in 2009. Wonderful job market then. Right. And so that's partially not fair to say I was lied to growing up because there are things out of that no one could foresee. But anyway, uh, I was playing basketball and I sprained my ankle. And when you sell cars, it's commission only. So I'm at home. I got ice on my ankle. And I'm like, I am not making money right now. If I took a week off to ice on my ankle, I would, I would net zero dollars. And I went out and bought crutches and showed up to the dealership and hobbled my way through that day and and through the next few days because I, I had no choice and in my 20s I can do that 
But when I'm older, I can't do that. And that was, if I had to pick one moment, that was probably it when I realized I need some sort of passive income. And I don't mean like I need a salaried job. I mean, like, if I need to take a month off. So for example, when my son was born, he was born almost two full months early. And I took almost an entire month off. And I did not have to take PTO. And I did not have to ask a boss if I could have the, the sick leave. And I did not have to worry if I got passed over on a promotion. I didn't have anything to worry about. You know why? Because I, I am my own boss. I make those decisions. My, my business runs without me. Now, it doesn't grow without me, but it runs without me. And that was the vision that I, I guess I didn't realize at the time, but when, when I sprained my ankle. And, and another big thing, too, is working at a car dealership, the way I looked at it, so for those of you who are who want to go full-time in their own business, maybe you kind of have the same realize, realization that I did working at a car dealership, which was I got really, really good at selling cars, like really, really efficient at it, which was great, but I hated it. Like I loved it until I hated it, if that makes any sense. Like I, lo- I loved it for the first two years and then it started, it, it started to lose its fun. And, and what I realized was it's almost like a hedonic treadmill where okay, then I, I go up to the next level, which is the F&I office, and I'm going to probably go through the same process. It's going to be really, really fun learning how to sell. It's going to be really, really fun when it's novel. But when it's not novel anymore, and when you have bads you don't make as much, it starts to really, really be painful. And then it's like, and it's more hours, and it's more crap from more angles and more stress. And yeah, more money, but it's like, and then after that, it's the sales de- it's the sales desk. And then after that is the general sales manager. And then it's the general manager. And I remember I was sitting down. And so I guess this is another pivotal moment. I was sitting down with my general manager, great guy. And he, in so many words, you know, not directly, but in so many words, was like, I make really good money, but I don't get time with my kids. It just, it, it doesn't, I've missed so many soccer games and baseball games and, recitals and and he was like you know if I had to do it all again I I wish I could have this kind of income with that time and he was like you really need to consider that because it took me say 20 years to get to this spot so I'm sitting there like all right so every hoop I jump like every rung of this ladder I climb up I am adding more stress I am adding more time away from my, my family and for what? And is it really going to make me happy or fulfilled? Am I going to be looking at some kid in my 40s and 50s and being like, I wish I had more time with my family? And then that's when I kind of realized, you know who I want to be? I want to be the guy with his last name on the building. You yeah. know why? Because he shows up when we win the zone in his Ferrari and celebrates and eats a nice meal and shakes some hands and say, hey, thanks for all your hard work. And then gets in his Ferrari and drives back to the golf course. <laughs> like, that's the guy I want to be. And you don't get that by being a really good employee. You get that by taking a big risk and making some sacrifices and learning and growing a business as the owner. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I realized all of that and, and kind of got to where I am today. That's awesome. So how did you get into mobile home parks? So after taking the red pill, 
uh, gradual process, like I just explained, I realized and that was about 2012, 2011, 2012. I realized I had to get out of the car dealership. And I realized I was meant to be an entrepreneur. And it took, and I just, I was like, okay, what do I do? Because I have, like, I, I, I don't have any experience. I don't even know what business I want to start, right? So the first thing I did was I went, all right, let's, let's pick up some books because the average, at the time I heard the average American CEO reads 50 books a year. So I'm like, let's pick up anything, anything, you know, good to, I read good to great four hour work week, rich dad, poor dad, and a whole bunch of books I would never recommend that were a waste of my time. But I, I stumbled across some game changers, like seven habits, Stephen Covey, and it just completely, and it's, and it's, it's not to knock my parents or my peer group growing up, but they're all in the middle class, even though, you know, most were in the upper middle class and very successful in, in, for a lot of reasons, they still had a middle class mindset. Right. And it wasn't until I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where I went, oh my God, that's it. Like I need a rich person's mindset. So then I went out and read The Millionaire Next Door and a couple other books on, on how millionaires think. And it just changed the entire way I looked at everything. So, so step one was pretty much so just getting any book I could get. And step two was I, I realized that everybody knew this, but nobody did this. Network. Oh, my gosh. Network. Everybody says it's who you know. Everybody said we all know that. We all have a million people who've been like, oh, it's always who you know. It's like, when was the last time you just picked up the phone and called someone? All right. When had a coffee with someone. And what I, what I did was I put that on steroids. I was like, I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care if you're a CEO. I don't care if you're middle management. I don't care, I don't care if you're unemployed. I want to talk to you, period. And so I, I put together a, basically a plan where I just would talk to anybody with a pulse. And I would read about anything I could get my hands on. And I, I used to challenge myself to 50 bucks a year, and I totally stopped. <laughs> so that's on me. But So I, I, I learned, I networked, and here's another key piece that I don't hear enough people talk about. I, I asked, who am I? And it's not a sexy thing. Everybody goes, I know myself. Come on. That's, that's stupid. I'm not going to spend time doing that. Let me tell you something. If you don't have crystal clear clarity about who you are and what you like to do, you will quit, period. And I will give you a great for example. I'm a pretty motivated dude. I looked at over a hundred businesses between 2012 and 2015 when I discovered mobile home parks and every single thing I ended up quitting every, I ended up like actually starting three businesses. And it, I, I got to tell you, even a good idea that you think is really you and it's really, really fun. Like it's like, let me, let me tell you very directly. It is not, it is absolutely not. You need to have a crystal, crystal clear sense of who you are, what your skills are, what you can and cannot do. And then you need to go out and spend years, or at least if you're, maybe you're lucky, going out and finding out where your skill set and where your like higher meaning and purpose fit something. So when Ian Tudor, my business partner and I met up in 2015 and we were like, let's be business partners. And one of the first ideas he threw out were mobile home parks. I was like, oh my God, that is what I've been looking for. It matches my charity uh, aspect because I've always wanted to help um, underprivileged kids get their education. So even though I'm a for-profit company, I do a ton of charity work centered around kids getting their education. And, and I want to create communities that are, are 
that are a good stomping grounds for a kiddo to get their education, not like gang infested and drug infested where they have all these other distractions. Like if it is safe and clean, they, and, and I can help them in any way I can get their education. That helps me wake up every morning knowing that what I want to be known for when I die is exactly what I'm doing professionally, uh, although not necessarily directly. Uh, that is is huge for me. So that fit, and and I even though I'm an operations guy, I absolutely hated inventory and warehousing, and to not have to worry about that, to have a product where I don't have inventory or warehousing, and also because I still love to sell, I just hated selling cars. I sell homes all the time, mobile homes within my communities, and also I go out and. I build relationships with potential sellers. And, and so there's still a huge sales and negotiation and marketing aspects of it, which fits my skill set. So it fits my charity, it fit my skill set. And because I knew myself and I knew how to say no to things, which is important, you need to know how to say no to things. That allowed me to know how to say yes to the right opportunity. Wow. So how'd you pick your partner? I mean, that's, you guys are going strong. You said 2015. You know, you're almost almost five years into it. Most partnerships don't really last that long, at least not well. So how'd you know he was the right guy? Um, this is so totally, total dumb luck. We actually grew up in the same neighborhood. No way. <laughs> yeah, it's it was total dumb luck. And I, I, I hate to, to say, we I had him on my podcast and we did a, an interview about how to find the right business partner. And we both basically concluded that we're just incredibly lucky because the truth of the matter is you need someone who is going to hold you accountable and you hold them accountable. Someone to complement your skill set and someone, and this is the most important thing, to disagree well with. Because studies show that any, you know, primarily marriages, but really any partnerships are, are dead at the start. If you, depending on how you argue. So if you have contempt for each other and you really undermine each other and have resentment on disagreements and you don't pick your battles, you're, you're almost doomed. You're effectively doomed from the start. And so what made us work is we had the same goal, the same vision. We had the same things we wanted out of life and we disagreed extraordinarily well. And I, I hate to, to it, it, it's just a, a wonderful proxy, but when I met my wife, it was very similar. Like we just hit it off like crazy and it wasn't like a Hollywood thing. It was like, this is it. You know, I don't really know how else to describe it, but it was like, this is, this is what, this is it. And if you were to ask my wife, like, why do we have such a, a great marriage despite, you know, ridiculous things that have come up over the, you know, now seven years we've been together, it's because it's because we disagree well. And so if you were to ask me, like, how do you find your, your wife? Like, it's, it's the same story. I have no idea. It was dumb luck. My wife came in to test drive a car. And <laughs> you made the ultimate so, like, <laughs> No, right? She actually didn't end up buying the Honda, by the way. She ended up buying a Volvo. Oh, so I didn't get like the. I got the important sale though. But yeah, yeah. so I mean, it's like, it, it, it's just one of those things where it, it's dumb luck, but at the same time, like Larry Bird says, the more I practice, the luckier I get. And, and to me, it, to, to take that quote and plug it into to dating or finding a business partner, you have to put yourself out there. 
And as you put yourself out there, eventually the right opportunity will present itself. And it may look like luck and it, it probably to a huge degree is luck. But if you're not putting yourself out there, you're not going to get lucky. Yeah, I think you got to create the opportunities. I think a lot of people create their own luck. And it's not so much yeah. luck as being prepared and doing the hard work and, you know, creating that environment where they're likely to be successful. Exactly. So, I mean, Ryan, what are kind of the three biggest lessons you've learned on this journey? There are so many I would want to pack in. Um, I will say probably the biggest, most important lesson I learned is that I wish I knew starting out is that when you're doing any type of real estate, it is highly... So the better you are at guessing at the future, the better your pro formas are as to what you think the cash flows are going to be, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? Your pro formas are based on your assumptions. So what is a better way to make your assumptions better than living it. So Ian and I actually moved into our third mobile home park and we lived there for 14 months every other week. We traded every other week. And by being in that office, by doing what no one else wanted to do, by being the physical property manager, we learned some invaluable lessons to the point where we literally bought a deal and we were late to the game a ton of other groups had looked at this deal. It was called Countryside Mobile Home Park in Spartanburg, South Carolina for $625,000. And a bunch of people looked at it and had a chance at, get, at buying it. And people tell me every now and again, oh, hey, country, that's you? I could have had that for like 550 or 525. You bought it for what? And, and I just got it uh, refinanced for, uh, let's just say, a lot more than that. And folks are like, oh man, I should have done that. And it's like, dude, you saw it before I did, but you missed it. Do you know why? Because you want to go and buy real estate and continue to do whatever you're doing and not be there on site learning from your properties. You pay more than a fee to a third party manager. When you are outsourcing operations, you also pay a fee of education. And when you don't know the product, your assumptions suffer. So that's probably my best advice for anyone starting out. But another couple of things that I learned that were just absolutely crucial were the, the four things that I did to position myself were learning, like I mentioned, picking up the books, podcast included, like, like this one, you got to listen to them. You got to pick up books, networking. You have to set up a network. When I started out, I had like if you had asked me in 2012, how many millionaires I could call or text and get a warm response within 24 hours, I would confidently, Jerome, tell you zero. Zero. Absolutely no one. None. <laughs> no one. No one. Now it's a very different story. When I turn out a podcast episode every now and again, I will have a millionaire reach out to me and be like, that was a really good episode. Nice. And some of my best friends are, are multimillionaires time and time over. And it's, it's very different now because I put myself out there and most people will ignore you up front. Most people did to me, but the, the more you, it's a snowball thing. The more you put yourself out there, the more cool things you do, the more cool that people will come out uh, of no seemingly nowhere. And then self-assessment, like I mentioned earlier, you've got to know yourself. Otherwise you will, if you will not find the right opportunity, you will say yes to the wrong opportunity and you will quit. 
And then the last thing that I hadn't mentioned of those four is sacrifice. You have to, when the time is right, you have to make a sacrifice. And so the third big lesson uh, that kind of is, is a good segue to the third lesson, which is when you find it, like when you find your wife, so to speak, when you find what you are meant to do, your business, it is a two-step process. Step one, you need to prove that it makes money. So I found, so one, one piece I hadn't mentioned yet is I found mobile home parks in July of 2015. I did not go full time until almost July of 2017. So it took almost two full years to go full time after I found mobile home parks. So in other words, just because you found it doesn't mean, hey, quit your job and go run after it. What it means is it's a two-step process. Step one, prove it works. So it took me 14 months to buy my first mobile home park. And then it, and I didn't go full-time until I bought my third. So prove it works. And then once you prove it works, then plan. Because it took about a year from buying my first one to going full-time in it, a little less than a year. So in other words, I took about a year, give or take, to prove it works. And then about a year to plan to go full-time. So those are probably my big three. Garbage in, garbage out. Go and be your own operator to learn the business really well because otherwise you're missing deals right in front of your face. So better assumptions come from people who actually operate. And then step two, when you're starting out, learn, network, self-assess, and sacrifice. And then finally, step three, the number three biggest lesson. Um, part one, prove it makes money. Part two, plan. Take a strategic risk like David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers says, strategic risks. Hey guys, back in 2016, me and the team decided to formalize Dreamcatchers as an organization that can help people achieve their wildest dreams. If this is you, please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com in order to find out the details of our services and how we can help you become a Dreamcatcher. Talk to you soon. Nice. Nice. So, Ryan, what gift are you giving the world? What do you What do you mean? So, I think everybody. I mean, I feel like you're working in your genius zone. I think you've found something where your skills are being rewarded in the marketplace with, you know, being in, being able to sell to people you want to buy from, being able to sell mobile homes to folks. You mentioned that you have an interest in helping people particularly children, have safe environments where they can grow and flourish. And I think that may be your gift, but I don't know if there's something else that you want to talk about specifically where you feel like, you know, you've been uniquely positioned in order to make the world a better place. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I really want to talk about this. It's so when I was growing up, so I went to Catholic school and in Catholic school, they make you do volunteer work, which I'm glad they did because I wouldn't have found what my, my real passion in life is, which when I was about 16 years old for my volunteer work for my, I think it was my junior year, what we ended up doing was we ended up tutoring underprivileged kids. And I remember I went, and I wish I remember the girl's name, but she was not that much younger than I was. So she was doing algebra, pre-algebra. And I was literally, like, literally all I did, Jerome, was I sat down next to her and she just would ask me questions while I was, while she was doing the algebra. And I would, you know, kind of show her how to do the algebra and answer her questions. Nothing special. 
And by the end of the hour, she looked at me and just a light bulb went off. She's like, oh, I don't just like write stuff on the paper. Like it, in so many words, it, it follows a logistical pattern. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> in its most pure form. Like that's mathematics is the science of patterns. Like it is, it is all logic. Yes, yes, very much so. And she goes, is science in English class like this? And I'm like, yes, it's everything follows logic. You don't just make things up. And she was just like blown away by this. And she was not stupid. And she was struggling and behind in, in school. And what I realized in that moment at a young age was that this girl was not stupid. This girl just did not have parents that were there for her. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, diagnosed ADHD growing up and I was atrocious. I could not sit still. I still really can't even sit still. And I went through a bunch of different medicines and, and it was expensive and, and I had tutors and I had parents that were patient with me and sat down with me to make sure I, I learned how to read because I hated reading growing up. And because I had those parents, I was able to go to Wake Forest University. I was able to get my education. I was able to do something with my life. Whereas, it, And I realized this at a young age. If I didn't have those parents, I probably would have done something stupid with my life. Like got in, I would have used my brain power to get into crime or be some kind of deadbeat. And what I realized about that little girl is that she didn't have the advantage that I had growing up. And that's not fair. And so something kind of clicked in me. Like if the charcoal was there, that was kind of the, the match that ignited something in me, which was I need to help underprivileged kids get their education. Because if, like Tupac says in Brenda's Got a Baby, you can't ignore Brenda because she affects our whole community. You know, so you, you see the headline at the end of the song, uh, prostitute slain and that affects your on the front line of the head uh, the, of the newspaper that affects our whole community so in other words if you ignore these kids especially the smart kids they're going to get into trouble and so it's not just that i want to help these kids it's that i want to help my community and because my father's a college professor i have this innate desire to teach and so and i'm thankful and appreciative of being taught so the way I want to give back to the world is by, by giving people their education. And so what Archimedes Group, my company, has been able to do so far is we started a partial scholarship. We've offered to pay kids college applications. Because think about it, a college application now is like $100 plus. And if your lot rent is $300, bucks, that's, and you can barely afford that, how are you going to pay for your kid's college app? So we've, we've done that. And we've done a bunch of other stuff too. We actually help people build their credit. If they, we partner with Paylee. So if they opt to pay online and opt in for the program, it's, it's no additional charge. It positively reports to your credit. So I help you get your kid into college. I help you pay for your child. And I help you build your credit too. And I do a bunch of other awesome things too that are really way more meaningful to me than any dollar amount I've ever made. I'll give you a good for example. We had this one lady who you can watch the video. It's on my website. It's real quick. She had this awful situation where the prior ownership, she was in a rental and the prior ownership basically paid for a bed bug treatment because somehow she got bed bugs. 
they paid for this treatment for it. I guess it got it got rid of the it soft got rid of the bed bugs because if you know anything about bed bugs, like a lot of times your you just have to throw out your furniture. You're just you're like it's just ruined, right? So this poor woman, she's older. She's on on SSI, so she's she she can't go to work. You know, she's in her seventies and. She had to throw away her bed set, and so she she basically had no option because she has a limited amount of money coming in every month. So she went out, and got like a fifty dollar blow up mattress, and then eventually that I mean that just it's not a realistic option. So eventually her back just started hurting, and and she was over it, and so she went out to a rent a center and bought a or like a lease whatever place that just rakes you over the coals, just absolutely rakes you over the coals on interest and and all of this stuff, because that's the only way she could buy a mattress. And so when we got wind of that, I don't know, maybe nine months into buying this mobile home park, we surprised her and we went and paid off her balance. And, and that was probably one of my favorite moments of this year. Over, and I've done a lot of cool things this year. I refinanced, uh, I think, f- four properties now. I sold out of one. I have done very well financially this year. And that none of those were as cool as, as paying off that woman's balance for her bed. So I, I have to say, it's not, it's not just that I want to help kiddos because I realized that there's really not that many college age kids within my communities. So that's like not fair to the rest of folks. So we started doing like free food giveaways, Bible studies. We, we've even offered Zumba classes and we are, and, and we're engaging with our, our tenant base too, because I don't think it's fair for me to make assumptions about what people want or need. Like I want them to, to tell me, but, but I will tell you for those listening in, th- it's moments like those which, are, which help me get through bad days. And trust me, I have a lot. I have a lot of, I have a lot of ridiculous things. I, I get a lot of ridiculous phone calls about things breaking. And I don't just mean lift stations breaking or septic tanks breaking or giant water bills. I mean, like y- you put the wrong thing on, on a tax form and then the IRS, you know, not that you owe the IRS a billion dollars, but they send you letter after letter after letter because you didn't like check one box and then you check the box and then they still send you letters every anyway, even though you, you talk to someone on the phone and they're like, this has been resolved. Like guys find you the way you're, you, you can give to the world and that will help you through really, really bad days. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. What are you most grateful for? So many things, man. I, I think, I think I'm probably most grateful what, for stuff that are completely out of my control, like my parents. And like, I, I just like, for example, I woke up today and I was just ready to take on the day. And there's, I don't have to self coach. I don't have to self talk. I don't have to motivate myself. I just wake up and I'm motivated. And I know a lot of people that struggle with depression because uh, depression has, has really rattled my family and it is really hard to convince yourself to get out of bed when you, when you have some serious depression. And I am extraordinarily grateful that I don't have to have anything like that to deal with. I, I don't, I had parents who were there to make sure I got my education and I have some very strong relationships in my life. And I got to tell you spending about a month away from my work with my son being born totally prematurely. It just, it just was straight confirmation bias to this whole, your relationships in your life mean way more than money. And it, 
just a quick aside about me, like I've, I've done pretty well financially, but I still, I'm very adamant about only paying myself $35,000 a year. And the reason is, is I want to keep myself hungry. I pay myself a whole lot more and then I go buy a nice car and I go buy these nice things. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be as hungry as if I only pay myself a little bit. And also it's strategic because I reinvest my money and compounding interest is a tremendous thing. But also it keeps in perspective when I don't have much money coming in and I'm counting my pennies, it's number one, not distracting me, but it's number two, reminding me that it's not about the money. So like tomorrow, for example, I'm going to go to my alma mater, Wake Forest University. I'm going to miss our, for our 10-year graduation anniversary, and I'm going to spend time with some of my favorite people in the world. That means that is all I've been thinking about all week. Spending time with people I care about is way more important to me than anything I ever do professionally. So I I am incredibly grateful about how I can just you know wake up and everything is okay. I'm healthy and I'm happy and I'm motivated. But I'm also extremely grateful for being born into a, a situation which has allowed me to develop some pretty outstanding relationships because that's, at the end of the day, what's most important in, in my mind. And my last question for this call, Ryan, sure. is what's the one thing you want people to take away from this talk? You know, if they lunched out and missed a lot of what you said amazing stories what's what's the one big takeaway do not fall into the brush off trap and the brush off trap is is oh that's not a big deal and the brush off trap for me is thinking that you know yourself because no one wants to admit that they don't know themselves right it's easy to be like i know myself come on Dude, I, I have a psych major and, and I spent years of my life on self-assessment and I can confidently tell you I st there's still a lot of me that I don't understand. So if I, I can tell you that I, there's a lot I don't know, you need to listen in and really understand. I know this is a totally silly example, but when I was in my late 20s, my wife like hit me between the eyes with this. She's like, why don't you drink coffee? And I was like, because I don't like it. She's like you really like things like dark chocolate and porters and stouts and bitter flavors. I think you'd really like coffee. Within about a week of getting back from Miami, Florida, where the coffee is outstanding, I was drinking my coffee straight black. No cream, no sugar, no nothing. That's how I take it. I love coffee. And it took me till my late 20s to discover that. And, and I know that's a silly example, but here's the thing. If you don't know who you are, you will define yourself through what you think others think of you and perceive of you. And what you really need to do is understand like, what is a sunk cost? I, I, I worked at the car dealership for four years. Do you know how hard it was to give that up? It's the same thing with, with when I graduated from my MBA and I went into the corporate America. Like I, I worked all of these years to get an MBA and now I'm not going to be in corporate America at all. Like sunk cost, not just financially, but time. You have to know yourself so well that you can identify a sunk cost and go, this is really, really going to suck. But if I like, uh, I can't remember who says this, but they were like, if you have cancer in your arm, you have to have the guts to cut off your arm. And that is 
that all comes from self-assessment. You have to go, what am I good at? What am I bad at? What do I like? What am I eventually, what do I like now that I'm eventually going to hate, right? So like selling cars for two years was great. And then the second two years was awful, right? You need to know what you're going to really like for a really short period of time and then grow to hate. And the only way you do that is by asking that question, who am I? And like Steve Jobs says, it's, it, you need to be able to say no, like it's not even fair, like not even the same ballpark more than you say yes. And the only way you do that is by having a have very strong clarity about who you are. Love it, man. Hey guys, if you made it to this point in the podcast, you must have really liked what you've heard. And so do us a favor and give us a rating and review and share it with those closest to you. Ryan dropped so many jewels in this episode. It's only right that we share it with as many people as possible. Ryan, thank you again for jumping on the call with me. I can't wait to share this with the listeners. And I'll talk to you soon. Loved it. Thanks. If you want to learn more about Dreamcatchers, please visit the website at dreamsdebreal.com. If you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we're doing with them, we would greatly appreciate it.